أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا محمد وآله الطاهرين اللهم صل على محمد وآل محمد He moves on into a new chapter here of خوف and حزن خوف and حزن uh, you'll translate خوف to fear and hosen to grief yeah and so this is also one of the stages according to him of akhlaq and he wants to talk about it a little bit so first of course he wants to define um khawf and and khashya he wants to define khawf and excuse me hosen he says look khawf is one thing it shouldn't be mistaken with khashya and rahba because these are used interchangeably lots of times okay khawf khashya rahba he says look khashya and rahba these are kind of synonymous okay they are very similar in meaning what is khashya he says it's that uh, state that you have within you when you are affected by something where there is a change in you something happens within you okay and it has to do with understanding the grandeur of things rahba same thing khashya rahba but khawf he says is something like that but in addition to that you will take practical steps as well as a result okay these are two different things he says kind of Okay, and then he wants to point out how, although we're going to be talking about khawf and huzn, but he says, let me just talk about khashya a little bit, and then I'm going to put that aside. So the chapter is chapter of khawf and huzn. Remember that. But khashya, he just goes a little on a tangent here, explaining what that is and how great it is. And then he makes his way back to khawf. He says that khashya in our in the verses of the Quran. This khashya is higher than khawf. Okay. For example, in the Quran we have Innama Yakshallahu min ibadihil ulama. That verily out of the servants of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which ones have khashya of Allah? The ones who are ulama of his servants. Now here ulama doesn't necessarily mean uh, you know, scholar in the in the in the uh, narrow sense of the term, those who have knowledge, uh, they will have more. They will have khashya. Innama means verily. So it's really restricting it to this group. So it's very important for somebody who really wants to get somewhere uh, to have khashya of Allah. To have khashya of Allah, to be they have to be of those who are knowledgeable as well. You know, this just highlights how important. It is for us as Muslims to gain more and more knowledge about the religion. Not just the basic Sunday school stuff, more. Why? Because it will bring a khashya. Khashya is something that happens inside of you. Okay? It moves you from inside. You understand the greatness of something from within you. Although on the outside, you might not, nothing might even change. Okay? إِنَّمَا يَخْشَ اللَّهُ مِنْ عِبَادِهِ الْعُلَمَاءِ Surah Fatir verse 28. And then he also says, uh, it brings another verse. يَخْشَوْنَ رَبَّهُمْ وَيَخَافُونَ سُوءَ الْحِسَابِ That there are people that they have khashya of their Lord 
and fear of su'al hisab of having a bad hisab a bad reckoning on the day of judgment as a result of the bad deeds they've done in this life okay so it's it's pretty cool these are observations of Ayatollah Jawadi, not a person like me. It's very interesting how he says, look, in this verse you have two things. Khashya of the Lord, khawf of su'al hisab. Khashya of the Lord, because the Lord deserves khashya. But khawf of su'al hisab, which is going to, is fear of having a bad day of judgment. And so as a result, what are you going to do? You're going to get up and actually do something about it. But it doesn't say khawf of Allah here. It says khashya of Allah. I personally think that um, wherever you have khawf, not necessarily will you have khashya with it. We'll talk about that. He'll, he'll give us some more examples. But if you have, if you have, if you have, what was I saying? If you have khawf of something, it doesn't necessarily mean you have khashya of it. But if you have khashya of something, it'll be entailed by uh, and with uh, khawf for sure. You can't have khashya of something but not have khawf of it. So let me repeat that and we'll see some examples. You can have khawf of something, which means what? Which means you have a fear of something and you'll do something about it. Doesn't necessarily mean now you have a khashya of it too. From within you shake and tremble at the thought of it. Okay? And he'll give a good example. Just bear with me for a little bit. But the flip side, when you have khashya of something, that means from your core you are understanding the greatness of that thing, then of course you'll khawf with, will come with it as well. A person who has khashya will have khawf of that thing as well. He doesn't point this out. This is just my understanding here. And then he says that in Surah Bayyana verse 8, so that was yakhshawna rabbahum yakhawfuna su'al hisab, that's Surah Ra'ad verse 21. He says in Surah Bayyana verse 8 also it, it tells us that those who have khashya have a special rank, have a special station in Allah's eyes. That this is Dalika means this is for Dalika Liman, this is for the one who who's what? Khashiya Rabba has Khashiya of his Lord. Not necessarily khawf of his Lord. And so I want to read for you now, just so that this distinction becomes clearer. I want to read off of this a little bit what he says. He says, Alright, based on all of this. The Muwahideen, those who have reached the true Tawheed of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they will never have khashya of other than Allah. But they might have khawf of other than Allah. What was the definition of khawf? Is when you know that something, something bad might happen, so you will take practical steps to prevent it maybe, right? Khawf means you're trying to avoid something. You have fear and you want to avoid something. It says these people they have khashya, that have khashya of Allah, they won't have, uh, excuse me, they will never have khashya of other than Allah, but it doesn't mean that they won't have khawf of other than Allah. In this, and then he, gives, he, he goes on, he says, what I mean by this is that a muwahid will have fear of a snake, of a scorpion, and is afraid to get stung or bit by them, but he won't have khashya towards it. His khashya is reserved only for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In other words, this person knows that if anything out there wants to harm someone or something, it will be in accordance with the permission and command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And nothing out there can help us, benefit us, hurt us yeah, without Him and His permission. 
So I will have khashya of him, but at the same time I know that he has given permission. So now I will have khawf of other things sometimes and I will try to... What is taqiyah all about? The Imams would practice taqiyah. Taqiyah means that, hey, preserve your life, okay, because they're after you. <laughs> Very simple. Oh, you're not supposed to be afraid of anyone other than Allah. Relax, people. Relax. It says, he gives another example, the honeybee, if it uh, gives us any benefit, it is also by the command of Allah. And then he brings the famous verse, Fasluki subula rabbika or rabbiki dulala. Surah Nahl, verse 69. Fasluki subula rabbika dulala. Rabbiki dulala. It's pretty cool. I like this verse because it shows that even when it comes to the honeybee, Allah is the one that's determining how they're supposed to do everything. It's pretty cool. Fasluki means traverse the path of which path? Which which way should I take? Subula Rabbik. Those paths, that direction Allah has given you. Oh honeybee. Wa Rabbuka Nahl. The Quran says that Allah sent revealed to the Nahl. Subula Rabbiki Dulalan subserviently. Like they have no other choice. Maybe this is Dulalan here because from comes from being valid, right? Subservient and, and subjugated as if. As if maybe this is another way of saying that's their instinct. That's how they've been designed and programmed, right? So he says, look, here it's it's telling us. It's telling us that if anything's going to do anything, it is by the command of Allah, even if it's going to get us benefit. The Going back to the snake and the uh, scorpion, it says, مَا مِنْ دَابَّةٍ إِلَّا هُوَ آخِذٌ بِنَاصِيَاتِهَا إِنَّ رَبِّ عَلَى صِرَاطٍ مُسْتَقِيمٍ Surah Hud, verse 56. That there is not a moving creature out there except that Allah is holding it by its forelock. What do you do? What does this symbolize? Holding something by its forelock. It means you have absolute control over them, right? You can t sway them whichever way you like, right? And so here he's saying, look, once again, so a person is not going to have khashya of anything out there because he knows everything goes back to Allah. But khawf is there because we live in a world of cause and effect I, and I want to um, avoid certain things and so I will have no choice but to be very careful on how I tread uh, whatever I'm doing. Alright, so having said that, he distinguishes between khawf and those other ones, which were khashya and rahbah. Now we're left with khawf and huzn, fear and grief. Let's talk about khawf, he says. Because khawf sometimes is used opposite to huzn. So if we understand huzn, we'll understand khawf. Sometimes he says khawf is used opposite to raja'ah. Alright, and sometimes khawf is used opposite to amn. So three things here we want to talk about. Okay, number one, the khawf that is opposite to huzn. He says that usually this is how these two will be defined. Khawf has to do with a fear of losing something in the future when there's a possibility of losing it. I say possibility because I'm going to you know, explain something else later. If there's a possibility of losing something in the future and I don't want that to happen, I will have khawf of that thing. That means I have fear of that. Okay. On the other, so it has to do with the future. Number one. Number two, possibility. Okay, so there's two elements here. On the other hand, we have huzn. Huzn doesn't have to do with the future. It has to do with the past and having lost something in the past. Okay, 
So he says, when we say khawf, sometimes khawf is opposite to huzn. Why? Because one is for the future plus possibility, while the other has to do with past. And if it has to do with the past, there is no possibility anymore. Everything has happened in the past, we know. So we have yaqeen towards that, right? And so we will have huzn. He says, let me add to this now. We had this uh, dual uh, categorization here, but let's have one more thing added. That sometimes something has not happened in the past. It happens in the future. It's going to happen in the future, but it's not muhtamal. It's not possible. It, we know it's going to happen for sure. And that thing which is going to happen in the future is something that we're going to lose. For example, they tell you, I don't know, you, you, there's a, your friend has a terminal illness and they're going to die in a little bit. Right? Alright, he says this also can be referred to as, that this grief that you have is referred to as huzn. Okay, so I would say the active ingredient in huzn is the fact that you have yaqeen about something, whether it's in the future, and of course if it's the past, we always have yaqeen towards the past, we know because it's already happened. While if there's a possibility, and it has to do with the future, then that will be khawf. Okay, that's one. He says also we have khawf that's used opposite to raja. And this one's kind of clear as well, I would say. And mind you, we haven't even talked about what the object of this khawf or huzn is going to be. We haven't even gotten to that yet. We're still defining these terms. It says khawf when it's used opposite to raja. And usually these two are going to be used together, especially in a spirituality context. Okay. Usually they'll say you should have khawf and raja together. Okay. Well, what does raja mean? Raja means hope, yeah. And so khawf sometimes, which is opposite to raja, it will mean to feel like, uh, to lose all hope in something happening in the future. That'll be khawf in that sense, from this perspective. Because raja means hope, that will be lack of hope. It'll be the opposite of it, right? And so these two are usually together. They'll say, and we'll talk about this probably more later. As a matter of fact, the next chapter is raja. So we're going to talk about that more later, inshallah. So sometimes this is what khawf means. Khawf means where we have yes as if, and uh, total hopelessness. Okay. And that's why he says that the, that the salik in Allah has to have both khawf and raja. And sometimes it's used opposite to amn. Amn meaning safety. All right, and feeling secure about something. If it's used opposite to amn, he says, this kind of khawf is good. Okay. The previous khawf, for example, was bad. If a person only has khawf meaning yes and hopelessness, that's bad. We'll talk about that later as well, probably. But this khawf is good, he says. To have a khawf opposite to amn, safety. What does that mean? And to have amn opposite to khawf is a very bad thing. So these two are good and bad. One is bad, one is good. Previous one, both of them were good when they came together. Here, you can't have both. You have to have one of them. One of them is good, one of them is bad. Khawf opposite to amn. He says a person who is khaif with this meaning here that we have, what do they do? A person who has khawf will engage in making up for the past. But if there's a person who is cold-hearted, stone-hearted, doesn't really think too much, doesn't care too much, is heedless, 
what do they feel? They will feel no need to go and fix up the past and make up for the past. Understand what they have missed out on and try to fix it. And so this person feels they have amn and aman, safety. They feel safe. They feel like everything's okay. Everything's fine. There's nothing I need to change or take care of. Yeah. Well, these kinds of people, you know what? It, it can reach a point where they feel safe from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala even. And Allah's devising and Allah's plot, whatever you want to call it, His makr. The verse says, Surah A'raf verse 99, فَلَا يَأْمَنُوا مَكْرَ اللَّهِ إِلَّا الْقَوْمُ الْخَاسِرُونَ يَأْمَنُوا Comes from amn, feeling safe. You know who feels safe from the makr of Allah? Allah is devising. Not that Allah, God forbid, Allah is after us in China. But look, Allah has a plan in this life for us. If we go by that plan, good things happen. If we don't go by that thing, yeah, it might, things might get worse and worse and worse. And we might just go down a hole that we can never get out of anymore. Okay? And so this is part of the plan. Oh, I feel safe that this plan of Allah is never going to... I'm never going to be subject to it. You feel safe about it? You'll, do you want, you want to know who feels safe from the makr of Allah? لا يأمن مكر الله إلا القوم الخاسرون Only the losers. Why? Because in the end, you're going to be at loss. If you feel like you're safe no matter what, you're going to let go. You're not going to take care of yourself the way you're supposed to, spiritually. And so, you're going to be a loser. Yeah. These people will never, the ones who have this khawf, they will never never feel safe that what they have is going to be there for, forever. So they're always securing it, always taking care of it, always protecting what they have and actually trying to make it grow. And that's why, you know, the, the hadith that comes to mind in all of this is that famous hadith that the greatest sin is the sin that one deems to be small. Why? Because you feel safe. You're like, we're good. It's a small sin. No, 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 no. From different angles, if you look at it, that small sin can be a problem. So don't ever, don't ever underestimate the sin. Just like you're not supposed to underestimate Allah's mercy, but don't ever feel safe. As a matter of fact, you open up the books of Maraja, the great sins that they have listed there: shirk, this, that. One of them is to feel safe from the um, uh, the the makr of Allah and the punishment of Allah. And no matter what you do, you feel like you're safe. You're good. Whatever your justification and excuse might be. Oh, it's a small sin. It only happened once. I'm a good person. I've done a lot of good in my life. No, no. Never feel safe in that sense. So you see a balance always. A balance has to be there. So you have khawf. You have amn, feeling safe. This safety is bad versus the khawf that was good. But then there's a good safety, he says as well, <laughs> which isn't meant here. When you use khawf opposite to amn, the amn there that is meant is the bad one. But there's a good one too, he says. The Quran has talked about and remember, this is a Qur'anic discussion that he has. Um, and what is that? The good amn or amniyah or aman safety? He says the one that Allah has promised to the believers, the abrar, the muqarrabin. Yeah? The verse says, Surah An'am verse 82 says, الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَلَمْ يَلْبَسُوا إِيمَانَهُمْ بِظُلْمٍ أُولَٰئِكَ لَهُمُ الْأَمْنَ وَهُمْ مُهْتَدُونَ that there are some people who believe they have iman. And they don't cover that iman with dhulm. And here, like there's like 10 pages talks about the dhulm here. Alright? Um, and he has a lot to say there. It was very interesting. But yeah, I learned some stuff there too. And so, but all in all, 
uh, you don't commit deeds that will hurt this Iman. Those who have Iman and don't hurt their Iman with a certain type of dhulm, which is the sins, of course. They are the ones who will have amn and safety. Well, is this a bad safety? This is good safety. So the am that comes from me, that I issue for myself, hey, you're safe, you're good. That is bad am. So we're not supposed to ever feel like that, okay? But the am that comes from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is mamduh. It is uh, praiseworthy, it is good. It's a positive thing. Okay. So we had khawf opposite to, uh, what was the first one? Opposite to huzn. Khawf opposite to raja, khawf opposite to amn. Amn was a bad thing when it was opposite to khawf. But then there's a good amn. And then he says there's even an hi- even a higher amn and safety. And uh, he says this is not for everybody again. <laughs> How many times have we said that? This will not be for, ev- for everybody. Some who are very special have this one. And that is that a person reaches a point where they don't have any khaw- any huzn, they have no khawf, they have nothing. Why? Because they have complete amn. Well, how do they have complete amn? That previous one that said those who don't cover their iman with dhulm, they have safety. It's obvious. It means safety from the hellfire, safety from whatever other things that are out there that one wants to be safe from. But this safety, I would say it's kind of like this one that's like the higher one, the higher version. This one is more of a it's more of a spiritual one, more of a one related to the soul, one related to one's psyche even, you can say. And just outlook. They, it says, they don't have any fear or hosn. Why? Because they have reached the maqam of rida, satisfaction. Well, why don't they have any of these things at all? And as a result, you can say they are safe. They're safe from anything that's going to bother them. Why? Because they know. They don't have. They don't have fear. You know why? Because they know they're they don't they're not going to lose anything in the future. What was the definition of khawf? That you think there's a possibility you might lose something in the future, right? That was the definition. What if you're 100% sure you're not going to lose anything in the future? Then you don't have any khawf anymore, right? <laughs> so, but who is it out there that is 100% sure they're not going to lose uh, anything? We all go through masaib, we all go through hardship and tragedy. He says, well, what's the definition of what you have that you might lose? For them, all that matters to have is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And they know that that's never going to cease. Okay? So they have no khawf. <laughs> we need to hold our ears again. <laughs> Last week we were holding our ears. We need to hold our ears again a little bit right now too. He says, because the only beloved this person has is haq, is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And God is not something that will ever cease to exist. So we're good. Yeah? Very simple. This is amn at a higher level and degree. Yeah, he says a person will, will be afraid when, when there's something out there that can be lost. And then he gives example of wealth, mother, father, brother, son, daughter, these things. But because it's Allah, whatever you have will perish, whatever is with Allah will remain, it says. Yes. As a result, there's no fear. Doesn't have conjecture, doesn't have even a possibility that this person, their beloved, is going to cease, as I said. Yeah. 
That's for the future. He says the past, same thing. The past is the same. And then so he ends with this verse here regarding this, uh, what we're talking about. He says, and this is what that verse is all about. This person has become waliullah. Awliyaullah. Don't have khawf, don't have huzn. Because he's going to say this in a little bit. Having khawf, having huzn, and as was alluded to a little bit in the beginning, is a good thing, is a necessary thing. Okay? So we said all of that. But he says that, but the Quran is also saying that there are some people who don't have khawf, who don't have huzn. What about them? Well, these people have wilayatullah. Inna awliya Allah. Awliya comes from wali. Wilaya. They have wilayatullah as a result of having wilayatullah. Meaning what? Meaning everything for them that matters is Allah and Allah's satisfaction. If they're living a normal life like you and I, they are living it within the framework that Islam and Allah wants from them. As a result, the wilaya of Allah encompasses them. They become awliyaullah. As a result, awliyaullah. La khawfun alayhim wa lahum yahzanun. They don't have any of this stuff. Hmm. But then he repeats, he says, look, this is not for everybody. Those who are in the beginning or even midway through uh, this spiritual wayfaring and suluk. You know, I smile when I say this because we're reading this, I'm reading this as if like, you know, I've made it to the end and we're going through it. Or those who are at the beginning and then the middle, we're going to get there too, but still it's not enough. We have to get to the end. Who knows? Who knows if we're going to get to the end? I don't know. But it's here, that it's there, it's, they, they say it's, it exists. <laughs> he says this is for those people, they reach that point. Um, but on the flip side, having khawf and huzn for those who are in the beginning, midway, this is a fadila, he says, this is virtuous, this is good. It's supposed to be there, it is a form of kamal. Yeah. Until a person reaches a point where they become sure that the bond and link and relationship between them and Allah has become a divine one. And they are sure that this bond will not be, this, this link won't be broken. Okay? Let me explain what he's saying here. He says, these people, remember we said they don't get scared, they're not upset, nothing. Why? Because what they want and what they like never perishes, never ceases to exist. He goes back and kind of tweaks that a little bit. He says, wait, those who are in the middle or in the beginning of this path, no, it's good to have these things, khawf and huzn. You have to reach a point where you know God does exist and God will never perish and cease to exist. True. But you have to make sure your bond and relationship with Him is not going to break. So that is what you have to secure. He says, that's when you become la khawfun alayhim wa lahum yahzanun. Yes, you know Allah will never perish, but what about my link to Him? Yeah. So they, he says, once it reaches that point is when you have that, that blessing of la khawfun alayhim wa lahum yahzanun. From there on, the same thing that was a virtue, it was a merit for you, now becomes something, I'm not going to say bad, but something that is unnecessary, is irrelevant, not applicable. Right? Because you are now connected and you know that this connection is going to stay. But yeah, how is one going to ascertain that is a, is, a, is a different story. We will continue the path of servitude and obedience for as long as it takes, inshallah. And finally, he talks about the origin of khawf. All right, so we're done with that. Let's come back down to earth now. 
All right, he went, he went, he took us higher, higher, higher. He started with definition of chof versus chashya, and then chof itself versus hozan versus uh, raja and versus amn. Now this chof that he also wants to tell us that there are different reasons why it takes place, different origins for it. For some people, it is that they have neglected a wajib or they have committed a haram and so they will have fear. You know, there's a good chance Allah is going to hold me accountable for this on the Day of Judgment or in the Barzakh. And so they have this khawf or they have this huzn. Yeah. There's a possibility Allah is going to punish me in the future. That equals khawf. They're upset that they have disobeyed Allah at the end of the day. Huzn. That's one, sometimes one of the origins of khawf. Sometimes the origin of khawf is more than that. It's not just neglecting a wajib. He says someone might be adil. Meaning what? Someone who's adil is a person who um, it, it takes care of their wajibat, takes care of their harams and, and stays away from them. Yet this person has a huzn or a khawf that they're going to miss out on the good stuff because they missed, I don't know, the praying on time today, for example. Yeah, or they didn't wake up for Fajr. It wasn't their fault. They set the alarm. They just snoozed through it, and the the sun, uh, the sun, you know, rose and and, and yeah, rose, and so their their salat became qada. Is there punishment? No, there's no punishment. But I still remember, like, in our, in, I was in the first year of Hausa, and there was this little discussion happening with one of the senior ones, and so one of these kids was like um, talking to the, one of the senior Hausa students about how they missed salat that day. They slept through it. It wasn't their fault. They didn't. They didn't, uh, you know, the alarm wasn't able to pick, wake them up. And so they were, they were a little upset and stuff. And so that person t told them that, yeah, I mean, you have, whether you like it or not, you've missed something here, <laughs> you know. Now, I do want to say in parentheses here that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows the times we're living in, the type of people we are. Um, no one's perfect, all right. No one can be perfect and never miss us a lot and, and so on. But it's interesting how Islam has made it wajib to do qada of salats we missed. And Islam has made it very mustahab to make up mustahab salats I've missed. So if, I've, if, if the time for it passes, I'm like, oh, alhamdulillah, it's over. Like, okay, I missed it, but it's mustahab. No, it's still mustahab to make it up. To the point, like, we have, like, some very nice hadiths on doing qada of salatul layl, if you missed it. Ayatollah Bahjad, in one of these, uh, these sayings of his, he says, they ask him, "How? What do I do so I don't miss Salatul Layl?" He says, "Make the qada of it. Right? The qada of it, I would say, is harder than the, it's than the, than the than the Salat itself, because you have to figure out a time of day when you do the Salat when you make it up, right? But I will give you a little cheat code. When you're driving to work, you can pray while moving, and your sajda and ruku. Don't do sajda like bring your head down, because then you'll meet Allah sooner than you would want." So what you need to do is just gestures. Like your ruku is like this, your sajda is like this. You don't have to necessarily put turba on your forehead even. Yeah. Um, so he says, if you really are, if you really wish to not miss it, then make sure you know, make sure to make a habit of, of, of making it up in the day. It's going to be harder than just you. Like you know, you'll be like, you know what? I get more rewards if I wake up at night, and it's easier for me because there's just like a slot of time there. Let's just do that. As a matter of fact. Um, if you wake up late and there's like five minutes, ten minutes, let's say, left till Fajr, 
and you won't be able to fit all of Salat al-Layl in there. The Maraja have explained how if you do four rak'ah of the 11 before Fajr, then you can continue that and then pray your Salat al-Fajr. And that apparently counts as being on time as well. Yeah. Now there are some different fatwas here. Some say go through it quickly. Some will say no, you don't have to go through it quickly. You can take as long as you want even. But all in all, yeah, we have this out there. So, yeah. There are some people who have this khalf of, oh my God, and I'm missing out on something? Let me at least make it up. Let me at least make up this mustahab. Now, of course, once again, this is for those who have taken care of their wajib and haram. And have the time throughout the day to make it up. Sometimes you don't want to neglect your other wajibat as a result of you know, doing a lot of mustahabat. And then there are some, he says, that are higher than this. Yeah. He says, these are the ones who have that khawf or huzn that they, that he says, like they're doing everything they need to do, yet they are upset still. Why would you still be upset? Because here you've passed yourself and what matters to you is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so as a result, you are upset that Allah has done so much for me and no matter how much I'm trying, I'm not able to still, you know, uh, show my gratitude towards a little bit of what he's done for me. Now, this means that a person has to acknowledge and understand what Allah has actually given us. Now, the physical side of things is one thing, all the blessings that we've been given. But then even the spiritual side of things and the afterlife related type of things, these also, these are also... Uh, uh, these are also something to be very grateful about. Allah is giving us eternity and infinity for 50, 60, 100 years of our life. Like, How can we be grateful for that? And so these people, it says that they have, they have that huzn, that man. Like, I want to, but I just can't live up to. I mean, forget Allah. The hadith says you can't even, you can't even make it up to your mother. <laughs> you can't even make it up to your mother let alone Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who brought you into real existence alright yeah now he doesn't mention something else I was hoping that he would Ayatollah Jawadi he doesn't speak about it too much or at all here maybe later he will and hopefully next time if I remember I'll bring a little book with a little story in it to share with you but um, there's another reason or I would say yeah origin for Khauf uh, and Huzn and that's something we hear all the time about our greats and that is the Huzn of Firaq it's called separation now what do you, what, separation of what? me from Allah well what do you want? <laughs> what do you want? what is their definition of whatever the opposite of separation is? is it oneness with Allah is it fana fillah is it what is it we, I don't even know what the def, what, what they'll tell us in response but they are always upset and weeping over what just like Yaqub Yaqub knows that Yusuf is there nowhere does Yaqub say I know he's dead he never says that okay he knew that Yusuf is alive that's that was hard for him his eyes went white it says out of huzn and, and grief. Although he knows Yusuf is somewhere, you know. <laughs> These people are the same. Allah is there and they even have a relationship with Allah, but they still feel separate, separate from Him, distanced from Him. 
I guess you can say that the material world for them is their barrier, maybe. These people are, you know, if they push hard enough, it, it seems that they will reach that al-maut qabla al-maut. That, that famous hadith that says, mutu qabla anta mutu, die before you die. Yeah, they will achieve something like that. But these are things that come way later as a result of doing what you need to do and being patient and just having Allah, focusing on Allah Himself and nothing else, absolutely nothing else. So that uh, that concludes uh, the discussion here so far. But he does have some a lot more to say about khawf and huzn and 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 uh, the good and bad types of them. Yeah, if we have a few more pages, inshallah, I'm gonna leave that for next time. Walhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Rahbah. So yeah, so brother's asking, what is, uh, how is khashya um, the same as Rahmah? I said, no, there's another word, Rahbah. Um, Rahmah is with a ha. Rahbah is with a ha, the, 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 the light uh, ha with the two Ashim. holes. Ashim, yeah. Uh, we call it Hayat uh, Duchish. In Farsi, it has two eyes, Duchish. <laughs> so, um, yeah, Rahbah with a ba. That one has a meme. So, Rahbah uh, is something else. It is like Khashya, he says. Yeah, Raha and Ba. That's the root. I wish you had asked in the beginning. Uh, if I hope no one else thought it was Rahmah. Rahbah. And khashya, he says, are synonymous usually. And then he drew a he drew a thing between this and uh, khauf, these two and khauf. Yeah, you can maybe use depression and an anxiety, but these will have a psychological connotation. These are technical terms in, in, in the field of psychology and psychiatry and those things, right? So they will come with their own baggage. And so we won't use those terms usually, but maybe, yeah, maybe they're, because one has to do with the future, which is anxiety and depression has to do with the past, one might say, yeah. Um, but see, both of them are, are negative things, anxiety and, but while we said here, a lot of these cases of khawf and huzn are good actually, right? Very, that's a very good uh, observation, sister. But yeah, that's all it is. <laughs> uh, should I passively be climbing the ladder of spirituality or actively, right? Um, if it, when it comes to our actions, actively. When it comes to our uh, mindset, passively, I would call it. Passively climb the ladder, meaning don't pay attention to the ladder. Don't be like, oh, where am I right now on this ladder of spirituality? Who cares? All right, all I know is no matter what I do, it won't be enough. So let me just do whatever I got to do as much as I can. So you actively work, but... You're passively climbing that ladder. You don't you don't care about it. You know, you're indifferent about it. Neutral, totally neutral. Allah Allah knows what I'm doing this for, and He is the best of upbringers, call, so to so to speak. He knows how to train me. He knows how to raise me. Yeah. 
um, they say Allah what's the Farsi um, that means that Allah is the one who knows how to take care of his bande right? not us that will live in his hands I'm just giving him stuff to work with okay which is my actions which is you know doing what I need to do make sense All right. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Allahumma salli ala Muhammad wa ala Muhammad.